Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to be transitioning from our study of Genesis and the creation story to our stewardship theme for this year, which is there's room for everyone on the Stewardship Express. Now, as you look at our theme, we're going to be turning to the Old Testament book of 2 Kings chapter 22 as the basis for our study. And it's the story of Josiah, the young king of Judah. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be examining the various ways that that stewardship influences our lives. You see, stewardship is not just about money. Stewardship affects every aspect of our lives. It's about how we think, it's about how we act, it's about how we offer ourselves to God. And the story of King Josiah is a great example of how you and I can respond to God's love and grace. This week we'll begin our series with a look at how being a faithful steward means offering our our minds and our thoughts to God. But before we read our, our passage for this morning, please pray with me. Let's pray together. Almighty and loving God, Lord, open our eyes that we, like King Josiah, may see the wonders of your word and grant us the grace that we need to clearly understand and apply all that you would teach us on this day. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Turning now to 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. Josiah was eight years old, when he began to reign. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adaiah of Bathkath. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, son of Isaiah, son of Musluim, the secretary, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to the high priest Hilkiah and have him add up the entire sum of the silver that has been brought into the house of the Lord, that the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. Let it be given into the hand of the workers who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Let them give it to the workers who are at the house of the Lord repairing the house. That is, to the carpenters, to the builders, to the masons. And let them use it to buy timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the silver that is delivered into their hands, for they deal honestly. The high priest, Hilkiah, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. When Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, he read it. And then Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king. 
Your servants have melted down the silver that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workers who have oversight of the house of the Lord. Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, the priest Hilkiah has given me a book. Shaphan then read it aloud to the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded the priest Hilkiah, Ahiakam, son of Shaphan, Achbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the secretary, and the king's servant Asaiah, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our ancestors did not obey the words of this book, to do according to all that is written concerning us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. In Franklin, North Carolina, there's a tourist trap called the Gold City Gem Mine, where for $48, you can buy a two-and-a-half-gallon bucket of dirt. For those of you who are interested, I'll sell you a bucket for $20. The difference is the Gold City mine bu- Gem Mine bucket might contain some pretty precious jewels. You might be able to find an amethyst or a garnet or a topaz, a a sapphire, a a ruby or an emerald or some other precious gemstone hidden in that dirt. And of course, if you find a gemstone, they'll be glad to mount it for you in the store that sells the buckets of dirt for a price. The problem is The dirt also contains a lot of plain old worthless rocks. The purpose of the bucket is so customers can experience the the joy and the excitement of treasure hunting. And occasionally customers do discover a real gemstone. In July of 1995, the parents of a third grader by the name of Griffin Mercury paid for a bucket of dirt and And he dug through the dirt, and he was excited about what he was going to find. But as you can expect, he didn't find, didn't look like he found any hidden treasures in that bucket. But Griffin did discover this beautiful rock that he he kept just because he liked the shape of the rock. And People Magazine reported that it was a salesperson in the store of the mine who noticed the rock and looked at it a little more carefully. And as it turned out, it was a 1,104-carat sapphire that had a value of approximately $45,000. Now, everybody likes a good treasure hunt story. And the story of the discovery of the book of the law in the temple during Josiah's renovation is about as good as it gets because just as I told the children this morning, God's word is a treasure that's priceless. But more, but this is, there's more to the story than, than just that. More to the story than what once was lost was now found. 
This is the story of choosing, God choosing to reveal himself. The book of the law wasn't found accidentally. God chose to reveal his word, which is to say that God chose to reveal himself to Josiah and the nation Josiah led. God could have made that choice at any time in any other previous king's reigns, yet he chose to reveal it to King Josiah. Now the question that we need to ask ourselves is, is why Josiah? Why did Jos- what did Josiah do that caused God to, to draw near to him in this very special way? Why did God choose Josiah to lead his people in a spiritual revival? Let me introduce you to Josiah. Josiah was the king of Judah from approximately 640 to 609 BC. Josiah was the son of King Ammon and the grandson of King Manasseh. Both of them were wicked kings of Judah. Yet Josiah was a godly king and known as one of Judah's youngest kings. Josiah began his reign at the ripe old age of eight, and his father was assassinated is when he took over and became king. The scriptures wanted to separate Josiah from his evil ancestors, so in verse 2, Josiah is introduced by saying, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, and he did not turn aside from his right or from his left. King Amon was his earthly father, but King David was his spiritual father. In the 18th year of his reign, he raised some money to repair the temple. And during the repairs, the high priest Hilkiah found the book of the law. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, And verse 11 says that when Shaphan read it to Josiah, the king tore his garments, a sign of mourning and repentance. And later in chapter 23, King Josiah calls for a time of national repentance. The law was read to the people of the land, and Josiah made a covenant between between the people and the Lord. Chapter 23 tells us, that the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all of his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book and all the people joined in the covenant. And after that, the temple was cleansed from all the objects of pagan worship and the idolatrous high places in the land were demolished. And Josiah restored the observance of the Passover. We'll talk a little bit about all of that in the weeks to come. But 2 Kings 23-25 records, Before him there was no king like him, who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, and with all of his soul, with all of his might, according to all the law of Moses. 
nor did any like him arise after him. God's wrath would later come upon Judah due to what the evil king Manasseh had done. But the judgment was delayed because of Josiah's godly life and leadership. Josiah died in battle against the Egyptian pharaoh Necro at um, Megiddo. But King, King Josiah was buried in Jerusalem in a tomb and his son Jehoahaz took over the role of king. I love that story of King Josiah because it tells us that when we hear God's word and truly listen with our hearts and with our minds, it can change who we are and make a difference in our lives and in the lives of those around us. God gave us ears to hear and minds to think like Josiah. And like Josiah, he calls us to be good stewards of all that God's given us. Back in September, I shared a sermon entitled, Hearing is Believing. And our scripture text was the parable of the sower found in the, the eighth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And I mentioned to you that there are four kinds of listeners. When you hear God's word, there are four kinds, four different kinds of listeners. The first is the hard-hearted listener who can't seem to understand or grasp what God is trying to tell them. So they just close their minds and their hearts to everything that they hear. And then there's the shallow-hearted listener who's quick to believe, receive, and rejoice. But they give it all up because the spiritual seed can't, can't really grow to maturity in their lives. And then there's the clutter-hearted listener whose life is so cluttered up with everything of the world that, that they can't hear what God is trying to say to them. And lastly, there's the good-hearted listener who truly hears God's word and understands what it means and their life bears the fruit that God's planted in their hearts. Now, Josiah was a good-hearted listener. When he heard God's word, he responded. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The same thing happens to us when we truly hear and respond to God's word. We can make a difference in the world when we, when we let God's word change our minds, our thoughts, and our attitudes. The founder of our Reformed heritage, John Calvin, opened his theological treatise entitled The Institutes of Christian Religion by talking about knowledge. Knowledge of God and knowledge of ourselves. And Calvin understood how important it is to offer our minds and our thoughts to God. Stewardship of the mind encompasses more than just, just our mental and cognitive abilities. It's, it's not merely about reading the right books or attending the best universities. It's not about multiplying the number of footnotes and endnotes to showcase our vast vast array of knowledge on any given subject. Stewardship of the mind means offering the way we think 
the way we think, the way we act, the way we respond to God. And God taking that offering and blessing us. The biblical interpretation of the mind is not about cognition or mental capacity or, or being a, able to answer every question in, in trivial pursuit. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. God's desire for us is that we offer him our entire being. God knows there's no way that we can isolate the heart from the soul, from the mind, from our strength. They interact together as one package, even though they're distinct parts of who we are as God's children. I love the story about a a TV game show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, some of you may have watched uh, the show on television, and it seems like one time there was this woman who made it all the way to the final question. And if she answered that final question correctly, she would win $1 million. And if she answered it incorrectly, she only won $25,000. Well, as you might suspect, the million-dollar question was a tough one. The question was this. Which of the following species of birds does not build its own nest, but instead lays its eggs in the nests of other birds? Is it A, the condor, B, the buzzard, C, the cuckoo, or D, the vulture. Well, the woman was on the spot. She didn't know the answer, and she had used up her 50-50 lifeline and her audience poll lifeline, and she had, had, all she had left was her phone-a-friend lifeline. But the woman had no alternative, so she called her friend. And she repeated the question and the four choices. And her fr friend, without any hesitation, said, it's easy. That's an easy question. The answer is C, the cuckoo. Well, the woman had to make a decision and to make it fast, and she wasn't sure of her answer that the friend had, had given her, but considering that her friend was so, uh, said that answer with such confidence and such certitude, she decided to use her friend's answer. And crossing her fingers, the woman said, C, the answer is C, the cuckoo. Is that your final answer? The host responded. And the woman crossed her fingers again and said, yes, that's my final answer. And after a commercial, the host paused for a moment and said, that answer is absolutely correct. And balloons began flying and confetti fell from the ceiling and the woman started jumping up and down and she had won $1 million. Three days later, the woman hosted a party for her family and friends, including the friend that had helped her win her million dollars. And she said to her friend, I don't know how to thank you. You know, I appreciate it so much. How did you happen to know the right answer? Oh, come on, her friend said. Everybody knows that cuckoos don't build nests. They live in clocks. 
a true but silly answer. That game show is all about knowing facts and a lot of things. You know, some of us, you know, are really good at recalling uh, those kinds of facts. Some people memorize entire books of the Bible. Some uh, people can spew out baseball stats and, and football scores. And, and some people have photographic memories. And others use their minds to store all kinds of trivia. But listen, you and I can fill our minds with all of this stuff that we're interested in or, or with information that we think is important. But if we're not filling our minds with the knowledge of God's love and grace, of God's word, then we're failing as God's children. God's desire is for all of us, all of us, to know all about him and then to respond, to respond with grateful hearts. It begins in the mind. Too often we routinely read our Bibles or we hear the scriptures read on Sunday morning without really thinking about or contemplating what we've read or what we've heard. But the Lord gave us our minds and he expects us to use them for his honor and for his glory. He expects us to think about spiritual things, things that have meaning eternally. As Christians, we need to understand that it's our minds that reflect our creator's image. It's the place where we can magnify the Lord and think about God's grace and God's glory because it's in our minds that our thoughts take shape and actions result. Romans 12:2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. It's interesting to note that the Apostle Paul talks about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. The mind is the key to the Christian life. The reason why non-Christians don't respond to Christian truth is that they fail to seriously think about what God's word is saying to them. They fail to discern the spiritual truth that they hear. Our minds can either make or break us. All the great historical and present-day thinkers and philosophers and high achievers have agreed on one thing, and it's this. You are what you think. An English philosopher by the name of James Allen wrote, As a man thinks, so he is. As he continues to think, so he remains. The more we think about God's love and grace and allow it to influence our lives and our actions, the more we become like Christ. How we think about God is reflected in the way that we live our lives. And it's a reflection of who we are on the inside. We can learn a lot from King Josiah's life that's positive. 
First of all, we learn from Josiah that it doesn't matter how old you are. God can bless you and use you to make a difference in the world no matter what your age. Even children have the potential to live for God and to have a great impact on the lives of those around them. Secondly, we can learn from Josiah that he lived a good life and he was fully committed and obedient to God and God blessed him for it. We need to live our lives fully committed to God and that includes being good stewards of everything that God's given us, including our minds. And thirdly, Josiah heard God's word and he responded. He responded to it. By the time he became king, the, the scriptures had long been neglected and Josiah's heart was broken by the failure of his people to honor God's word. And Josiah had the scripture read to the people and after hearing God's word, they made a commitment to live by it. And God declared, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourselves before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken, I have heard you. What I love about Josiah's story is the fact that when Josiah heard God's word, he responded. His mind, his thoughts, and his attitudes towards God changed. The questions that we need to ask ourselves this morning are this, these questions. When I hear God's word, does it change me? Am I a different person because of it? Do I think differently and act differently as a result of hearing God's word? Am I a faithful steward of my mind, my thoughts, and my attitudes? Let me close with a personal story. I grew up on the south side of Des Moines, Iowa. Growing up, my mother and my father never attended church. But for some reason, God placed on my heart the desire to know him better. So I started attending Sunday school at a local church called Clifton Heights Presbyterian Church, and I would attend by myself. I would get up on Sunday mornings, I would get dressed, and I would head off, I would walk to church, to Sunday school. And every summer I would attend daily vacation Bible school and I memorized scripture. And I learned all of the favorite Bible songs like Jesus Loves Me and Jesus Loves the Little Children and the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. And as I got older, I dropped out of church. Now, I don't know why, I just lost interest. I was getting older. I, after all, I was in high school. But one day, I saw a girl sitting on a lawn chair outside her apartment, and I fell in love. We dated over the summer, and one Saturday evening, I asked her what she was going to do on Sunday, and she told me she was going to go to church. I said, what church? And she said, Clifton Heights Presbyterian Church. And I said, well, that's my church. And she said, funny, I've never seen you there. <laughs> the next day, I went to church with Gracie, and it changed my life. 
Eventually, after we were married, Clifton Heights PC became our home church. And it holds a special place in my heart. I heard God's word there. And I responded. And as a result, God blessed me far more than I ever deserved. And I thank him for that. You see, God works in mysterious ways. He changed my mind. He changed my heart. And like King Josiah, he can change yours. You know, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about stewardship. Some people think that that's, that's the time that I need to stay home from church. I don't want to hear about stewardship. That's about giving money. Well, it's not just about giving money. It's about offering your mind and your thoughts and your attitudes to God. All of our actions, we offer them to God in faithful stewardship. God has blessed us in so many ways, and he calls us to be good stewards of all that he has given us including our minds. Considering offering your mind, your thoughts, and your actions to God this stewardship season. If you do, like Josiah, God will surely bless you. Amen and amen. Please pray with me. Almighty and gracious God, on this Sunday morning in October, we praise you that you are the eternal one, the one who was here before the worlds began. We praise you that you are the everlasting one, the one who will be here long after the last trace of our universe has disappeared. We praise you that you are the sustaining God, the one in whom we live and move and have our being. But most of all, Lord, we praise you that you are the one who grants us in abundance your Holy Spirit, our comforter and our guide. Lord, today we offer you our thanks for all the things that we often take for granted, our mind, our thoughts, our attitudes, for the air we breathe, for the water we drink, for the blue sky up above, we especially thank you for your word. May we, like Josiah, truly hear and respond in ways that magnify your holy name. And may we continue to think about what it means to be your faithful stewards. We pray for those in need of your presence and for your healing touch. We pray for Mom.